We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 today. Uh, just a few verses. Uh, we've been in 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, we're going to transition over as I want to share some thoughts um, around what Paul's going to present to us here in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. And this is what Paul the Apostle writes. He says, A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ. Now listen to this. And as managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. That's what I want to deal with today. I want to speak to us from the subject, found faithful. Can we lift our hands to heaven just one more time as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, today, as we come to your word, we do so with humility. We do so submitting ourselves to its counsel. God, no one needs Jason Parrish's words today, but we need your word. <clears throat> so in this moment, I pray that you would just speak to us so clearly, whisper to our hearts as we go to you for everything that we need. We love you. We praise you. We give you this time. Speak to us now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shouted. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, tap your neighbor. Tell him it's good to be sitting by him today. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're the best looking thing I've sat next to all week. Turn back to your neighbor and say, I don't know you. Don't talk to me that way. Um. (laughs) Hey, did you know this week we celebrate 11 years as a church? Come on, somebody. 11 years as a church. I was, have you ever, um, have you ever popped onto Facebook before uh, or Instagram and you got like the, the, the story that was from X amount of years ago? Has anybody ever been there before? Were you like me? You were startled at the way that you looked. Um, you're like, wow, I had some LBs. And um, so I saw some pictures. I went down like a, a bunny, uh, a bunny trail, just a big black hole as I was looking at pictures and stuff like that from, from 11, 11 years ago. So a picture popped up the other day that was the day before the launch of the well. And we were at Olympus Junior High School and a crew of about 40 people gathered together in an 800 seat auditorium to pray over it and anoint it and bless it as the next day we were gonna officially open the doors to this church known as the well. We woke up that Sunday morning and there was eight to nine inches of snow on the ground, knowing that we were gonna have to pull a trailer in the middle of it, get it parked and unload an entire church from a 24 foot trailer so that we could make church happen in about two and a half hours later from that. And I remember uh, going out the front door, this was my habit in the first few years of our church as I would walk out the front door and I would get onto the sidewalk of the junior high school and I would just stare up the sidewalk wondering, are people going to show up today? And here we are 11 years later and I occasionally, <laughs> I occasionally walk out in the parking lot and go, is anybody gonna show up today? Um, and, uh, and you keep on showing up. How many of you know that God's been faithful? And I know as a guest today, if you're new with us, um, 
Some of the inside talk sometimes can seem a bit foreign because you haven't been around. And I'm just wondering if today you would just take a few moments and and just sit back and relax and allow this to be a way that you can kind of get a sneak peek into what God is doing in this place. Because God's doing significant things. That's why we tell stories like we have um, on video. And what I think the most about over these 11 years is the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of people. I'm gonna say that one more time because it's really important. The faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of people. How many of you know that any great transformation that takes place in our lives personally, any great uh, uh, moment of transformation that would take place in a city or or in a a state or in a country or in in our nation, how many of you know it first and foremost happens because of God's faithfulness and then the faithfulness of people? And that that is the recipe, I believe, for any type of move of God. Now, it'd be easy to think that the most significant issue that the church is facing is sin. We'd be wrong. It'd be easy to think that the most significant issue that the church is facing is the devil. But come on, somebody, he's been defeated. So we would be wrong again. It'd be easy to think that the most significant issue that the church is facing is the current culture we are in. But can we all just collectively agree, culture's been wilding out since the garden. So once again, we'd be wrong. I believe the most significant issue that the church is facing is a faithfulness issue. And this is what Paul would be dealing with head on in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. Because the truth is, how many of you know, <clears throat> sins existed since the garden, but the church has still thrived. How many of you know culture's been wild, but the church has still thrived? And how many of you know that the devil does not have the power over anything because he's been defeated in Jesus's name. So those are not the issues that we are dealing with. The issues that we are dealing with, I believe, and I think Paul believed, is a faithfulness issue. I wanna say this today, write this down if you're taking notes. The greatest testament to your and my life will be the testament of faithfulness. Can we, can you, can I remain faithful? And what's crazy to me is that we have made faithfulness unattractive. We love the Cinderella story, but no one ever talks about the faithfulness story. The one of character and consistency and integrity continued over time. Have you ever noticed no one tells the drama-free story? Anonymity and obscurity, no one ever tells that, that story. We like the Kardashian story. But the story of faithfulness, the story of just getting after it, the story of just showing up day in and and day out, that story's not as popular, is it? That story doesn't get plastered all over Facebook and, and Instagram. We don't tweet about the faithfulness story. We tweet about the drama ridden story. Now, I know we have our backgrounds and I know that God has redeemed us from so many different things, but what I wanna help us understand today is that God's heart for you and for me is faithfulness. Faithfulness, someone shout faithfulness today. According to the Greek, Strong's Concordance, the, the meaning in Greek is pistos. It means trustworthy, true, sure, believable, worthy of credit, faithful in duty to oneself and 
to others, of true fidelity. It means with an act of firmness in faith, confiding, trusting, believing. These are faithfulness terms to be found trustworthy. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, hey, if we're gonna steward the mysteries of God, if we're gonna manage this thing that God has called us into, the family of faith, it's going to take, someone shout faithfulness. Faithfulness at the end of the day is the game that we are involved in. Write this down if you need a, maybe a more succinct definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the proper stewardship of all that God has given us. Faithfulness is the proper stewardship of all that God has has given us. The Bible exposition commentary defines a steward as this. A steward is a servant who manages everything for his master, listen to this, but who himself owns nothing. Let me say that one more time. A steward is a servant who manages everything for his master, but who himself owns nothing. Is it possible that one of the most significant reasons we face a breakdown in faithfulness is because somewhere along the way, we have begun to believe that we own what we do not own? Is it possible that somewhere along the way, we decided what we have is ours instead of realizing that what we have has been given to us by somebody greater than us, and his name is Jesus. Is it possible that we, we don't run the faithfulness game because somewhere along the way we got tricked into believing that we can do better with what we have than what God can do with what we offer him? Someone shout faithfulness. And this isn't even a sexy message. Some of you just got tricked out that I said that in church today. Hang around long enough. <laughs> like we, we don't pump these stuff. Hey, this weekend we're gonna start an entire series on faithfulness. Everyone's like, yay. Because faithfulness isn't a thing that we necessarily even grapple with at times. When was the last time we took a, we just stepped back and said, I wonder what it would look like to just be faithful. But how many of you know when lack of faithfulness is there, there's great impact. How many of you know the devastating effects when there's not faithfulness in marriage? How many of you know the devastating effects when there's not faithfulness in, in parenting? How many of you know the, the devastating effects when there's not faithfulness in, in leadership? So faithfulness is not a popular conversation, but we all know when faithfulness isn't happening. So faithfulness to me, as I gather and look at scripture, I'm coming to the understanding that one of the greatest things that you and I can engage in is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. The goal of our life and stewardship is simple, to be found faithful. Let me say that one more time. The goal of our life and stewardship is simple. It's to be found faithful. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna deal with the issue of faithfulness from a very pragmatic point of view, by dealing with a few truths that are necessary for us to understand if we are to be and remain faithful servants of Jesus. Show of hands, how many of you would say, I wanna be a faithful servant of Jesus? I wanna be a faithful steward. That's what we're gonna deal with today. So you came to the right place. That's what we're gonna talk about today. That's what we're gonna work through today. Need your help every shot number one? Here's the first thing that we need to understand about faithfulness. Faithfulness will always reorganize what you and I prioritize. 
Faithfulness will always reorganize what you and I prioritize. John chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, the Son of Man is, able, is not able to do anything on his own. Can we just stop there for a second and realize that the Son of Man would struggle in this generation? Why? Because this generation believes I can do everything on my own. <clears throat> Jesus wouldn't be popular if he's running around, hey, just heads up, guys, I can't do anything on my own. I wonder if Jesus would be marked with masculinity if he's running around going, I can't do anything. Oh, come on, somebody's getting quiet in church today. On my own. Because the world that we live in today, the air that we breathe today is all about independent people. I'm an independent woman. I'm an independent man. <laughs> and so we live out this thing that's known as independence and, and I, I can make it on my own. I'm self-made. How's that DIY project going? <laughs> We're gonna talk about that in another series in a few months. I can't wait for it. So Jesus says right here, he says, hey, listen, I can't do anything on, on my own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. Faithfulness will always reorganize what you and I prioritize. Here's what I want us to see. Faithfulness flows from proximity. Faithfulness becomes a natural byproduct of our lives when we commune with Jesus, when we pray, when we read his word, when we worship. This is why Paul would write to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 verse 1, that they are to be imitators of God. I want to suggest to us today that faithfulness comes when we are in proximity to Jesus. The more that we are closer to Jesus, the more faithful you and I actually become. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed that when you get around certain people, you have a tendency to draft into the same behaviors? Come on, somebody. I'm gonna talk to this side over here. <laughs> Come on, has anybody ever noticed, like if you hang around somebody long enough, you, you kind of start to become them? And it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're 10, 16, 29, 21, 47, 59, doesn't matter. 83, let's go, somebody. <laughs> Have you ever noticed this truth? Proximity always rubs off on us. Yeah. Now, I gotta, I'm going to do a little self-disclosure right now. You can all judge me uh, later. Pray for your pastor after service is over today. Um, my workout soundtrack is not saved. I got it from Chris Laudy, our youth director. So, um, <laughs> um, so the other day I was, I was working out and the song, the song came on and I was bench pressing and not a lot, okay? Um, <laughs> just 300 pounds is fine. Um, so I was in the middle of my bench press and this song came on and, and, I, was, and I was bench pressing and like I was like, have you ever done that before you've been working out and then you're like jamming out? And then I started to sing the song and then I started to realize what was in the song that I was singing. And then I was like, I hope my kid is not in here right now. 
Why? Because whatever you're, whatever you're in proximity to, it will rub off on you. So I love what Jesus said. He's like, hey, listen, I only do what I see the Father doing. When I'm close with him, faithfulness flows out of that. See, in proximity, the Holy Spirit reorients our hearts and our desires. And, and out of this, and our behaviors begin to take place. Some of us are trying to change behaviors by willpower. And I want to suggest to you that your behaviors change when you're in proximity. The closer you get to Jesus, the worse those things taste. So I'm bench, and I had to, and I had to change my music that day because I realized something. But man, it's hard to bench press to worship songs. <laughs> now listen, listen. I'm not like listen. I've got my workout playlist, and I'm going to continue to listen to it in different times. But I'm using it as an illustration to help us understand that what you're in proximity to will rub off on you. And it's amazing to me how many of us want Jesus to change us, but we don't want to be close to him. It's like we want Jesus to wave a, a magic wand over us. And he's like, no, 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 just worship me. Just sing to me. Just clap your hands. Just read your word. Well, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Engage in prayer. I don't know the words to say. Doesn't matter. Just shout help. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I found that one of the most significant reasons people believe they cannot be faithful in many areas of their lives is simply because they have not allowed a reorganization of what is prioritized in their lives. Yeah. Faithfulness and our physical health requires reorganizing our daily eating and exercise habits. Yeah. Nine of you agreed with me. Okay. <laughs> Let's try that again. Right? Faithfulness in our minds requires reorganizing our thoughts and a daily renewal of our minds. This is what, this is what the Bible talks about. Faithfulness in our finances requires a, rec a reorganization and a prioritizing uh, in faithful giving and tithing and saving and proper budgeting. You ever notice that faithfulness actually requires a reorganization of how we prioritize things? As a dad, in order to be faithful as a dad, I've got to reorganize my life so that I can make sure that my kids are top priority at the end of the day. But it's amazing how when we get in proximity to certain things, some of those things go away because we're just close to this stuff. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And the list could go on and on and on. And I use, I use these three. There's so many more because they seem to be some of the most significant areas in our lives where faithfulness is a struggle. I have seen that everyone wants the fruit of faithfulness without the fixtures of faithfulness. They want what faithfulness produces without operating within what faithfulness requires. I want God's blessing in things, but I don't wanna be obedient. I want my kids to love the crazy out of me, but I don't want to be around them. 
I want my wife or my husband, I want to be intimate with them, but I don't want to talk for more than seven seconds. Just everybody keep looking at their feet right now, okay? I want to be known at church and be in community, but I want to come once every six weeks and not get involved in anything. <laughs> I'll just go over here. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody in <laughs> You see what I'm talking about? We want the fruit of faithfulness, but we don't want the fixtures of faithfulness. I want intimacy with my wife. And remember, intimacy means not just physical stuff. We're talking about just into me, into me, it's closeness. So it requires having hard conversations at times, talking through things, being in what? Proximity to each other. If we want to be found faithful, our lives must reorganize around what is most important. And what is most important, first and foremost, is what is most important to the heart of God. See, many of us simply have not allowed our lives to be organized by what is most important to God. And we've got to stop arguing with God about this issue. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you found like we are living in a moment where it is popular to debate God on things? I just want to say this as your pastor today. Many of us here today need to stop debating with God about the issue of faithfulness. We need to stop trying to excuse away what the Bible is very clear on across so many areas of our lives. Someone said at a conference recently, and I loved it, I'm paraphrasing, but they said, because God said so, needs to become an acceptable answer for us as Christians. And it's funny how many Christians I'm hearing right now say the same thing that the serpent said in the garden. Did God really say? That is fascinating to me right now. Have you ever had those words come out of your mouth? And then ask, where did those words come from? And then we go, but I don't like it. <clears throat> Faithfulness. We need to stop making excuses for not being obedient under the guise of what God meant as something else. I do what I do because Christ is my master. I believe what I believe because Christ is my master. My theology and doctrine are a product, a product of the one who is my master, not because the church employs me. Our faithfulness in everything that we do is birthed from an allegiance to our master, and his name is Jesus. Someone shout faithful. faithful. Number two, ever shout number two? Here's the second thing that we need to grab a hold of today. Faithfulness is more than intention. It is practical. Faithfulness is more than intention. It is practical. Is it right if we read a lot of scripture today? Yeah. All right, we're going to read a bunch of, a bunch of verses. We're going to go from uh, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 14, all the way to 28, okay? And many of you have heard this, this parable before. Um, it's the parable of the talents. It's a pretty popular one in church. This is what Jesus says. He says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted. Every shot entrusted. This is an important word. Entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. 
Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man who had earned two, uh, the, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, master, I know, I know you. Watch this. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. <laughs> if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should know, uh, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. Sounds like a, just a general business principle. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Teeth. Jesus was so loving. <laughs> now, we need to hold a really important perspective when viewing this section of teachings from Jesus, a perspective that really helps us understand what Jesus was pressing in on. He gives us a, the framework for all of this just a few verses earlier in Matthew 24, verses 45 to 47. This is what he says about his eventual return. Look what Jesus says. Y'all watching this now? Matthew 24, verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Watch this. Who is this person? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. And truly, I tell you, he will be put in charge of all his possessions. This section of scripture highlights is Jesus' injunction for all of our lives, faithfulness. And faithfulness is seen in doing what we are supposed to be doing with what we have been given to do it with. So then Jesus continues on and begins to teach through parables as to what this faithfulness thing looks like. And one of those parables is the parable known as the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is, is genuinely a parable concerning what we do with the resources that we have been entrusted with. And the key here is that we have been entrusted with. Y'all still in church with me today? See, when we realize that we've been entrusted with things and that they are not simply ours, it changes how we steward the resources of our lives. Commentator Matthew Henry wrote this, entrust a servant with goods to be disposed of by him and see whether he be faithful to his trust. If he be so and dispense with fidelity the treasures you commit to him, it is to be expected that you will entrust him with more and make him ruler over more. Yeah. 
So really quickly, lightning round. Here we go. I want to throw out some things that we see in this section of scripture. Is that with, right, with everybody? Right fast, right quick. Here we go. Some, some things that are presented to us in this parable of the talents. First thing is this. What we are entrusted with is measured by our ability. Oh, it's getting quiet in church. <laughs> what we are entrusted with is measured by our ability. Matthew 25, 5. To the one... He gave five talents to another two talents and to another one talent. Here it is. Depending on each one's ability. Come on, everybody say ability. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we're talking about your ability. Turn back to your neighbor and say, my ability's better. Um, this is an interesting one because the Bible describes that God does look at us differently, not equally. God, I want you to bless me in my finances. Give me a million dollars. And God's like, I can't trust you with a hundred. This is right if I'm your pastor today. God, I need this promotion. Would you give me favor with my, my boss? And he's like, no. You've been written up for being late 19 times. Someone shout faithfulness. Y'all see what I'm talking about here? This is a deal. Again, we're going back. I know this is a challenging series for us because we're poking into things that are very, very true to who we are as humans. Faithfulness is a part of the journey. So he says, we're entrusted. Each one is entrusted with what he's been given as a measurement of their ability. He gave five, he gave two, and he gave another one, one. Ability is involved. We don't all have the same ability. But what we can do is be grateful for the thing that God has given us and be a faithful steward of it. Number two, the second thing that he shows us in this parable is that what we see, uh, what we see as much, God sees as few. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. The one who had received five talents approached, presented five more and said, master, you've given me these five talents. I've earned five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Here it is. You are faithful over a few things. Notice that, that, that the, the master in this parable is gonna say both to the guy with five and the guy with two, He's gonna call both of what they've been entrusted with as few. How many of you look at this parable and you go, one guy got five, one guy got two? Much less. God sees what we see as much as few and says to both of them, notice what happens, the faithfulness, regardless of the ability, God rewards it with you will be responsible over much. God doesn't look at things the same way that we look at things. What we see as much, God sees as few. The third thing that we see right here is that God rewards obedience. God rewards obedience. As the master, as the master talked to his, his stewards here, the one who did with what they had, he said, I'll put you in charge of many things. 
So notice that God doesn't reward based upon the amount of something. God rewards on the factor of obedience with that something. Okay, now I'm gonna press it in. Like I said, you're, 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 if you're a guest with us today, this is a journey that we are on as we move towards our legacy offering. And we talked about this a few weeks. As we get ready for our legacy offering on March 3rd, all of us are going to do different things. We all have different abilities, but we all come to the table desiring to be faithful in this thing. And God rewards not because of the, the amount of something, but because of the obedience of something. Oh, come on, somebody. That's a good moment to say, thank God. Because we don't all have the same ability, but we all have the same opportunity, and that is to be obedient. This is why comparison kills us. And it's amazing how many of us step back from obedience because we're too busy comparing to somebody else's ability. Instead of go, wait a minute, I, I I wanna get into the game here. I wanna be a part of what's going on. I wanna be a part of a move of God as we talked about last week. Check this one out. There's the next, next thing that we see in this is that joy is found by those who are faithful. Do you know one of the greatest ways that you and I experience joy is by engaging in faithfulness? Master said, share in my joy. Share in my joy. So these are just some of the things that we we see in this section of scripture. Oswald Chambers wrote this, faithfulness and stewardship is measured not by success, but by obedience and fidelity to God's commands. The most significant measure of success one will ever experience in life is obedience. Did you hear me today? The greatest measure of success that any one of us will find in life is being obedient. And you might say, well, what if it doesn't work out? Doesn't matter. Because God judges success on very different things. Because what could look like failure in world terms was success in God's terms because I was simply obedient. Does that make sense to everybody? Like I said, today's message is very, very practical when it comes to how we order our lives around this thing called faithfulness. It does not matter if it looks successful in the world's eyes or not. If God has asked us to do it, obedience is our only measure of success. Maybe it can be said like this. The worst kind of failure is success at something that God never asked us to do. Isn't that striking? That puts it, the worst kind of failure is actually being successful at something God didn't ask you to do. Could you imagine, read between the lines for just a second, I don't know how heaven's gonna go. We've already established that in other series around here. But what if, what if we get to heaven and you're strolling up and you're like, hey, Peter, I need to talk to Jesus. And you stand before Jesus and you go, man, God, look what I built. Look what I did. Look at how magnificent this is. And he says, I didn't ask you to do that. Is it possible some of us are working so hard on something that God never asked us to do? Because we desire certain things that the world deems as successful? Is it possible some of you should be on the mission field today, but instead you're running a Fortune 500 company? 
Can we talk in church? And we're being successful at something that God never asked us to be successful at. Uh, Another one is faithfulness is an attitude before it's ever an action. I love, the man who received the one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. Can you notice in this section of scripture that the guy with one talent in order to justify his lack of engagement with doing something with it decided to tell the master what he knew about the master? There was an attitude involved with it. There was a way to try to justify things. Theologian Charles Spurgeon comments on this. He says this, the steward is expected to act as though he was the owner and yet to recognize that he is only a steward. He must use the property as though it was his own and yet must not act as though it were his own. So there's this weird thing going on with the, with, the, with the guy who had the one talent, the way he was engaging with the master to justify his lack of engagement with what he was supposed to do with it. So these are some of the things that we see in, in, in the parable of the stewards or the parable of the talents. But what I want us to recognize here is that faithfulness is more than intention. It, it's practical. How many of you know we can intend to do something all day long, but nothing will happen unless we are action-oriented with it? Y'all remember what was, what was paved, the road that was paved with intentions? It's amazing how many of us in, in the church world, we want to see the world changed, but we don't want to act accordingly. Come on, is anybody with me in church today? Number three, every shot, number three. Here's the third thing. Courage is a necessity for living with faithfulness. Courage is a necessity for living with faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says this, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 through 7, therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Here's what I've come to learn. Safety is usually the greatest enemy of faithfulness. Faithlessness, faithfulness, excuse me. Safety is usually the greatest enemy of faithfulness. Safety is usually the greatest enemy of faithfulness. He told me to, I'm saying it again. How many times have we not done what God has asked us to do because we were playing it safe? (laughs) Did you know when we planted this church over 11 years ago, for everybody who moved initially, the, 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 the very beginning stages of this launch team, no one played it safe. We quit jobs. We sold the things that we had. Dwindled our bank accounts down to nothing. That's, that's what's going through my mind this week. When I think about 11 years. And I think to myself, the only reason that we're standing here today is because there was faithfulness at the beginning. I'm going to invite the team up. Faithfulness. And faithfulness is not safe. F.F. Bruce wrote this, the steward is not the source of the riches he distributes. His duty is to manage them wisely and honestly as a servant, not a master. And the reason that this typically becomes inverted is because of fear. Fear of the future, fear of not having. 
Now, I know for many of us, this is a really easy message to like, especially in the season that we're in, our legacy season, to move into that side of things. And there's a lot of conversation about what, we get, what we're getting ready to do as a church if you call the well home for our legacy offering. But there's so many other areas of application in this. Don't get just tripped up on that space. Faithfulness in every single area of our lives. I wanna help somebody out today. You would be amazed what God would do if you start showing up to work on time, early, every single day. That was a boss clapping, the first one. The, the, the first one. Yes. Preach it, pastor. I was like, this message was sent to so many people this week. God's already favored you. Do you see what I'm saying? When we say yes to Jesus, he's already favored us. He's already put his favor on you. So some of us are trying this, like we've said, we've said this a lot around here. We're, we're trying these weird magical incantations with God. Christianity's not magic. He's already favored us. His spirit resides inside of us. But he can't entrust you with something that you're not already doing. Because the production of something doesn't change a behavior inside of us. This is why there's been studies done about all the people who win the lottery and how many of them are still bankrupt. You see what I'm talking about? We've got some singles running around here. Man, I want a relationship. <laughs> they always tense up. Easy, easy, boy. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity offender around here. If you don't, le if you, if you don't leave offended at all, um, I haven't done my job, Luis. I haven't done my job. <laughs> You're so focused on getting somebody that you're ignoring the person that you are that nobody potentially wants right now. Stop trying to become the person you think he or she wants and start becoming the person that God has designed you to be. And it's amazing how attractive you'll become. How's church doing today? We all doing good? It takes courage to do these things, church. We gotta walk out of here today with courage and go, I'm deciding to live that life. Fourth one is this, last one. Faithfulness is the heart of Jesus. Faithfulness is the heart of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to two, watch this. Therefore, since we've also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, 
keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Watch this, here it is. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Have you ever thought about this in this light before, that the cross was the greatest moment of Jesus's faithfulness? It was the ultimate stewarding of pain. I think sometimes we get this idea that Jesus just was like, yeah, I got this cross. And he had this, this path, and he wasn't really, so he could do everything that he was doing. No, that's not what the cross was. He faithfully endured. He stewarded pain. He stewarded shame. He stewarded the world's sins. He stewarded the design of his father for his life. Y'all see what I'm talking about? And when you understand the cross that way, it reorients the gift that's been given to you and I in Jesus. Oh my gosh. He stewarded you. He stewarded Charlie's life. That was the name on the cross. He stewarded Seth's life. That was the name on the cross, how he's like, that was the, see what I'm saying? He stewarded you. Why? So that you might reap the fruit of his faithfulness. Salvation. Freedom from sin and guilt and shame. That is the fruit that we live in today. It is the fruit of his faithfulness. Salvation is the product of Jesus's faithfulness. And it's what he invites you and I into today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes in this place. No one looking around right now. Here's what's gonna happen. I wanna ask you, we're gonna pray a prayer all together today. And that's for those of us today who would say, man, I... I want to know this Jesus. I want to give my life to this Jesus. I want to make him Lord. We're going to pray that prayer. And then I'm going to ask you, all of us, to just stay seated until our service pastors conclude our service today. Don't get up and leave because the next few minutes are so, so, so important. So please make sure that you stay with us as we close our service and then we'll dismiss you. But before we do that today, would you consider where you're at with Jesus today? I know a message like this can be challenging. Honestly, I don't really know any other way to preach right now but to poke into these things. But for some of us today, this is a moment where we're going, man, Jason, I need this Jesus. And so we're gonna pray together, all of us together today. I'm gonna invite you to just pray this prayer out loud in both of our auditoriums today. Auditorium one and auditorium two and online. Would you just repeat this after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm done doing it my way. And I'm gonna do it your way. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. 
Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name.